If you'll turn your attention to the screen, we've got a video that will kick off our sermon series. So what difference does Jesus make in your life? like Law and Order, where at the end of the show, the bad guy is caught and justice is served. How many of y'all like that kind of resolution to your show? Maybe it's a different show, maybe Criminal Minds or some other show, maybe an older series, but there's something inside of us, inside of most of us, that cries out against injustice. Many people can remember watching the O.J. Simpson uh, trial that was going on and the jury came back with a not guilty verdict. Today we're asking the question, what difference does Jesus make? Maybe this is something that you have wondered either out loud or simply tossed around in your head. Maybe you don't regularly attend New Life or any church really, and you came here today maybe because someone invited you or because of an Easter egg hunt. But if you're honest, church really hasn't been your thing. And you wonder why, why should it be? What difference does Jesus really make? Well, today I want to share with you briefly the difference that Jesus made to two people. The first of those people is found in Matthew 27, and I want to give you a little background to what's happening leading up to Matthew 27. Jesus has already been arrested by the religious police. He's brought before the high priests and the scribes and the elders, but the Jews had no authority to put a man to death. You see, they arrested Jesus for blasphemy because he claimed to be God. But in order to take Jesus to Pilate, they had to charge him with something else. So they charged him with treason that he claimed to be the king. Pilate had no interest in dealing with Jesus. The only reason he dealt with this issue was because of a large mob of people that were shouting to crucify Jesus. So Pilate thought he'd come up with a plan to make the people release Jesus. He remembers a man by the name of Barabbas that was being held in prison. And the Bible says that Barabbas was a notorious prisoner. He was a murderer and a robber. So you get the picture that Barabbas was an evil man who committed much sin in his life. He was guilty. So we're going to look in Matthew 27, verse 17. It says this. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the Messiah? This was, this was Pilate's plan. Surely they would choose for Jesus to be released, not the murderer and the thief, but the, in verse 20, it tells us that the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas. 
and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked, and they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they all shouted louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. So for today, for just a moment, I want us to think about what's really going on here. Pilate offers an option to the people, Jesus, the son of the living God, or Barabbas, the rebel thug. What had Jesus done? He'd only ever healed people and restored lives and given hope. Barabbas had killed people and destroyed lives and taken what wasn't his. It seemed to be a simple choice, but the people chose Barabbas. How is it possible? Imagine, though, what it must have been like to be Barabbas, a guilty man. Caught in your crimes, convicted and deserving of punishment, exposed as a criminal for the whole world to see, but suddenly you're free. See, I think that we can relate to Barabbas because Barabbas was definitely a sinner. Verse 16 says they had a notorious prisoner whose name was Barabbas. Barabbas was a guilty man, a criminal. He deserved to be punished. He was a notorious sinner. So you ask, how in the world am I going to relate to someone like that? But it really isn't all that hard for us to relate to Barabbas because you see, we're not that different than him. The Bible tells us that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can any of us really claim to be innocent? Do I know that we like to put on a good show for others to see? We all wear masks of different kinds that will portray us as we would like for others to think that we are. But in the end, we're all the same. We are all human beings that were made in God's image. We're given free will to make choices and decisions. And reviewing the sum of the decisions that you and I have made with our lives, we come to the point where we realize that there's enough evidence there for our own conviction. I'm not guilty, you might say. Not like Barabbas. I've never killed anyone. You may say, I'm not a thief. I'm nothing like him. But let me ask you, have you ever rebelled against God? Have you ever allowed anything else to take God's rightful place in your life? Have you ever harbored thoughts against another person? Have you ever acted selflessly? Have you always loved your neighbor even when they treated you unfairly? Whether we want to admit it or not, we can all identify with Barabbas, each and every one of us. And the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We're all sinners as assured as Barabbas was a sinner. We definitely are as well. And the second way that we can relate to Barabbas is that Barabbas deserved to be punished. Now remember, he's a murderer and a thief. He was guilty. He'd already been convicted for those crimes under the law. He deserved to die. But hold on before you get the rope and, and hang the man. Remember that he isn't the only one guilty under the law, deserving to be punished. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and the wage of that sin is death. Sin is sin in the eyes of God, and the penalty of that sin is death. Barabbas isn't the only person sitting, bound in prison, waiting for his death sentence to be carried out. The Bible identifies every one of us as deserving to be punished. The moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, a death sentence was placed on all humanity. And it has been passed down to you and I. But I want you to know today that you and I are not only guilty by association with Adam and Eve. We're guilty as a result of participation in our own sin. 
One day, every person will stand before God and give an account of their lives. You may not believe in it, and I'm willing to consider your point of view if you'll consider the Bibles for just a moment. Let's say that God is not real and will never give an account for our actions. If there is no sin and then one day we die and we discover that we believed in something that caused us to live our lives in a better way. Really not going to be a whole lot of regrets in that. There's no harm that's done. But I want you to consider for a moment if God is real. And we do stand before him to answer for our sin. And then those that don't believe that he was real will be guilty on all accounts. On that day we'll know that heaven is for real and hell is as well. But I want you to know that God's desire is not for us to face that day unprepared. God did not create hell for humans. The Bible tells us that God is unwilling that anyone would perish, but that everyone would have eternal life. That's another reason that we can relate to Barabbas because Barabbas discovered redemption. Imagine being guilty. Your sin exposed and you're known by all as a notorious sinner. You're deserving of punishment, convicted and awaiting your destiny. But then an innocent man trades places with you. Jesus took Barabbas' place, and he was released free of all charges. We acknowledge at the beginning of this service that we like when the bad guy gets what he has coming. We love justice, and so does God. But let me tell you that God loves you more. Yes, it's true that the wages of sin is death, but there's a part two to that scripture verse, and that's this, that the gift of God is eternal life, and that's what God desires for every person. God's desire is not that we would experience the wages of our sin, but we experience his gift of eternal life. Barabbas isn't the only person that discovered redemption. Jesus not only traded places with him, but with all of us. An innocent man who had no sin took our place and the punishment we deserved. He took the death that we deserved so we could have the life that he desired. Who was it that placed Jesus on the cross? Was it the Roman soldiers? Was it Judas or Pilate? Was it the crowd that was shouting, crucify him? No, it was you. And it was me. It was my sin. Jesus went to the cross for sinners. And as the Apostle Paul said, of whom I am chief. Jesus took our place on that cross and was treated as if he had committed all the sins of the world, though he never committed one. And Barabbas got a new life as an innocent man, even though he deserved to die, all because of the difference Jesus made. I said at the beginning of this message, I wanted to share with you about the difference that Jesus made in two people's lives. The first is Barabbas, and the second is Ryan. If you'll turn your attention to the screen, I'll let, you, I'll let him share it with you in his own words. Hello, my wife. My name is Ryan Bennett, and this is a short explanation of what a difference Jesus has made in my life. My relationship with God had been strained throughout most of my life. When I was young, I had a traumatic event in my life that left my heart hardened and confused. I searched for answers, but nothing ever satisfied what I thought was right. Of the many sins that I have committed, this is the greatest one, that I did not love God with all that I am. I turned away from Him, and although I tried to love my neighbor and live a good life, my love for the Father and the Son was severely lacking. Despite having turned away, I still felt His presence and love for me. I often rationalized his blessings as coincidence, karma, or my own abilities. A little over 11 years ago, God broke me and made something on my heart that changed my direction. I 
purchased the Bible and started reading it from the beginning. I was still far away from God, but now my direction had turned toward Him, and He led me back on this journey to Him. God kept showing me the way, but I resisted the importance of Jesus in my life. A recent and significant example of God leading me on this journey was last spring when he put me at an LCBA lunch table with Pastor Matt. This was not a coincidence. After running into Matt a few times and as a result of our conversations, I accepted an invitation to attend a new life service. The service I attended was a worship service led by Cat and Jared. I didn't know any of the songs, but toward the end of the service, there was a song that broke me, Reckless Love. When I was your foe, still in your love fought for me. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you gave your love away. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I can't even explain the profound effect that that song had on me that day. The voice, the music, the lyrics, it seemed like that song was written and sung to reach me on that day in that service. I've been coming to new life ever since. And I've been broken again and again and filled with the Spirit again and again. Not just here in church, but at home, at work, on the road. Jesus has brought me into the light. He is proof of God's love for me. God asks that we love Him with all our heart. When He sent Jesus to us, to remind us of the great commandment, to show the power of his love by healing the sick and the sinners, forgiving sinners, to teach us the importance of faith, and to carry our sins away on the cross. God showed us how much he loves us. So what difference did Jesus make in my life? Jesus has proved that God loves me with all that he is. And now that I know that, I will never break the great commandment again. I now know that I will always love God and Jesus and all of his creation with all that I am. I love what Ryan shared about the difference that Jesus has made in his life. And maybe today, like Ryan, you're struggling with accepting God's plan for your life. Ryan describes turning away from God and rationalizing God's blessings as coincidence. Maybe you have turned away from God and have been unwilling to see God at work in the details of your life. Maybe today, like Barabbas, you're guilty because of the sin that you've committed. You've struggled accepting that God would even care about your life or that he could possibly desire a relationship with you or that anyone would ever welcome you. But the Bible paints a different picture for us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. That's how God chose to demonstrate his love for us. Barabbas didn't deserve it. Never even says that he thanked Jesus for what he did for him. But Jesus loved him anyways. Barabbas is just an example of what Jesus did for one man, but the reality is he did the exact same thing for all of us. We are all Barabbas. We are all guilty of sin. We are all deserving of punishment, but we have all had the opportunity to receive redemption. 
I want you to know today that the difference that Jesus makes to the guilty is forgiveness. It's a second chance, a blank slate, a new life. God's desire for you is that you would accept his love and forgiveness and receive that redemption and the new life that he offers today. That's the difference that Jesus makes. This church that you're sitting in today doesn't exist for us to point fingers and judge other people. It exists so that people far from God can experience new life in Christ like many around you here today have. The person that invited you here today, people that are sitting around you today, they've experienced the love of God and his forgiveness firsthand. And today we want every person here to have that opportunity. So I'm gonna lead our congregation in a simple prayer. This prayer is just simply what the Bible tells us is the first step of making Jesus the Lord of our lives. It tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so this morning, I want to lead all of us in this prayer. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you have a long time ago, but you know that when you walked in here today, you weren't living that life, that Jesus wasn't the Lord of your life. Today, he can be before you leave. I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for showing your love for all of us. That while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that when he died on the cross, he died for my sin. And today I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head still bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, you made Jesus the Lord of your life, whether for the first time or you've done it before, but you know that you weren't right when you came here, but now you are. I'm going to invite you just to slip your hand up between you and God and say, today I prayed that prayer. Today I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anyone today? Just slip your hand up and write back down. Awesome. Awesome. Would you look right this way? We've got these books here. They're called the 30 Discipleship Exercises. And it's our free gift to you today. Whether you made that decision today for the very first time or whether you did it recently and you want something that will help you in your next steps in your walk with the Lord, these books are up here. We also have some of the Guest Connection Center back there. You can use it as a 30-day kind of devotional to help you start your relationship with Christ and get stronger in Him. But we want to make this available to you. I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer and made Jesus the Lord of your life today, would you share that with somebody? Let them know that today you prayed that prayer and made Jesus the Lord of your life.